there. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord for the blood. And I tell you, that's one thing you're going to find out about White River Baptist Church. We talk about, we sing about, we preach about the blood of Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so praise the Lord. I like songs like that and I appreciate that. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning. And uh, we're not going real far. We're going in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. I love the book of Genesis. Of course, uh, Genesis means beginnings, and uh, it is, the, um, of course, the story of how God, uh, in the first several chapters, of how God created uh, everything and uh, where we came from. Amen. Hey, if you ever wondered uh, where mankind came from and why we're here, you don't have to go any further than the book of Genesis to get that figured out. Amen. Uh, we came from God Almighty, and uh, He created us, and then He uh, put us here for a reason, for a purpose, and what a privilege and honor it is to know God and to serve Him. Amen? So if you find your place, stand with me. Genesis chapter 11, as we read the Word of God together. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11 and uh, read this uh, infamous story about the Tower of Babel. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to... Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city as a tower, whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this uh, they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, and they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language uh, of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We ask God that you'd meet with this Holy Spirit of God. We ask and invite you into this service. We want you here. And we ask that you'd move in our midst. And, and Lord, as I pray every Sunday, if there would happen to be a person here that doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I'd ask that you would uh, they would accept you today before it's eternally too late. I pray those of us that are saved, God, we'd allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us better for you. We'll love you. We'll praise you. We'll give you the glory and honor for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be be seated. This morning I want to preach on the passage here, and uh, we're just going to uh, learn some lessons from the Tower of Babel, some things from the Tower of Babel. Of course, the timeline, uh, if you uh, understand the, how God uh, uh, set things up in the book of Genesis, of course, in Genesis, uh, the first couple chapters, we read of the uh, creation story. And of course, God made Adam and Eve, amen? And uh, then when God made Adam and Eve, uh, He gave them two sons, Cain and Abel, and we know the story there. And of course, uh, Cain, uh, because the Bible Bible says he was of that wicked one. He slew his brother Abel. And uh, he was the uh, first murderer, if you will, that we read uh, in, the, in the Scripture. And then from thence we, we find two civilizations. The Bible says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And Cain began a civilization of his own. And then, of course, we see the godly line of Seth, Adam and Eve's third son that God blessed them with. And uh, for the first 2,000 years of human history, uh, you have uh, uh, Seth's line and you have Cain's line. 
mind. And then we come to Genesis chapter 6, and we come to the story, of course, of that godly man named Noah. In fact, we're going to preach about him tonight. Uh, on Sunday night, we, I started a new series a couple weeks ago about uh, kind of uh, a series on the home, uh, but uh, doing so by preaching about different couples in the Bible. And tonight we're going to preach about Noah and his wife. Uh, but Noah and uh, God uh, came down and saw what was going on, and by the way, didn't make him happy. Amen? And by the way, the same sins were going on then, the same sins going on now. And by the way, when the God of heaven sees it, He's not pleased. Amen? And just as judgment came upon that pre-flood world, and uh, I'm not just a doom and gloomer, but listen folks, I'm a Bible realist. Amen? Judgment's coming to this world too. I can tell you that. Amen? But God spared Noah as they built that ark. What a wonderful story. Well, after the ark, after all that happened, uh, of course, only only survivors were eight people. Noah and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives. And uh, God gave them a command then to go out and to multiply and to uh, replenish the earth. And then we come to uh, uh, chapter 11, and this has been, uh, of course, uh, several, several years have passed. In fact, hundreds of years have passed, and the earth has been repopulated. And we come to the story here of chapter 11, where there was a bunch of people that got together and decided they weren't going to do it God's way, they were going to do it their way, and build this tower. And uh, that's what we're going to look at today, verses 1 through 9, and learn some lessons from Babel. Here's the first thing we're going to learn this morning, and this is really the the key heart issue of the Tower of Babel, and that is this, is that rebellion will drive us from God. Amen? Rebellion will drive us from God. Now, church, listen to me. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna take a quick detour, real quick. And uh, listen, I just came from the south. Okay, and I'm gonna say this: in the south, uh, uh, the church I came from is a church very similar to like this, but they do little things different in the south. Amen. And let me say this: I kind of got used to this week in the south as I was preaching. That place went crazy saying "Amen." amen. I kind of feel it's a little dry this morning. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Amen. Listen, folks, when your preacher spends time preparing the Word of God, listen, you're not saying amen for me. I tell you, you're not. But we're saying it because thus saith the Lord. Amen? And I want, I want some of that fire to get... I want a light of fire underneath you this morning. Amen? Alright? Come on, men. I need to hear you this morning. Alright? I'm calling, I'm, calling, I'm calling my men out this morning. I need to hear you. Amen? If the preacher says something good and you like it, I want you to hear... I want to say amen. Hey, if the preacher says something good and it convicts you, you ought to say amen. All right, come on, let's get that fire lit back up. But let me say it again, rebellion will drive us from God. And we see that here as we begin to read this story about the purpose and the point behind all this tower being built. By the way, the rebellion which took place a century or two after Noah's flood was no surprise to God. Now God promised He would not send another flood. In fact, God uh, told Noah that the, that human sinfulness was still always going to be a problem. In fact, we see that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. By the way, what a sad statement to the, to the nature of mankind. As good as God is, as blessing, as much as God pours His blessings out upon us, you know what we find out? That our heart is still bent toward evil. And we see that displayed here as mankind began to once again display that rebellion against God. By the way, you think they would have learned something, right? 
I mean, come on, folks. There's no doubt the people that involved in Babel knew exactly why uh, they were having to regather and re-try to uh, populate the earth. They knew the story of the flood. By the way, they knew why they there was a flood. Because you know why? Because their direct forefather was involved uh, in building the ark and being saved from the flood. Don't tell me they didn't know why God brought the flood upon the earth. But yet, despite knowing, despite having the knowledge of why God flooded the earth, they still decided they were going to rebel against God Almighty. And let me say this about uh, some things about rebellion this morning. First of all, we must all fight the sin of rebellion. We must all fight that sin. Deuteronomy chapter 31, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that, you, that it may be there a witness against thee. Listen to this. This is what God says about His own people. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, why I am yet alive with you this day, ye have. Listen, you know what He's saying here? Listen, hey, that book of the law that God, that God had Moses put in that Ten Commandments, it went in there for a reason. So it would be a witness against the sin of the rebellion of His people. And I'll be honest with you folks, that's a sin every single one of us have to fight. Amen? There's just something about human nature that don't like being told what to do. Right? That's why when we're driving on, uh, driving on the highway and we get behind somebody doing the speed limit, we don't like it because we want to go faster than the speed limit. Amen? Confessing some sin this morning. Alright? And uh, why is that? Because of rebellion, that's why. Amen? Listen to me, folks. We must all fight that sin. How about this? Rebellion is the root cause of many sins. Now, let me, let me just read a verse to you about what God thinks about this. Amen. By the way, we need to start getting back to about what God thinks and not what society thinks, not what other people think. What's the God of heaven think? Amen. How come everybody wants to voice their opinion, but everybody wants to ignore the opinion of God Almighty? By the way, God's got an opinion about it. Amen? He gives us a book filled with the things that He thinks. And it ought to matter to us Christians what God thinks about it. Well, I'm going to tell you what God thinks about it. First uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and adultery. And he's talking to King Saul here. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. By the way, Saul, man, he started out right, but it didn't take him long to get off the rails. And you know what got Saul off the rails? His rebellious heart. He wanted to do it his way instead of God's way. And you know what? God sent the old preacher Samuel, the old prophet uh, to Saul. And by the way, thank God for Samuel not being afraid to confront Saul. And you know what he told him? He said, Saul, your sin in the eyes of God is just like witchcraft. And we need to start thinking of it that way, the way God thinks about it. We as parents sometimes, we put up and we allow our children to have rebellious spirits. Oh, they're just going through a phase. Really? What would you think if you went in your kid's room and you found him with a black robe on, having a seance with a goat head, sitting around a pentagram? Oh, that's just a phase they're going through. No, you know what? Something would be wrong. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, in God's eyes, rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Amen? Listen, it's a root cause of many sins. And that's why we got to keep it out of our lives. Amen? That's why I said we got to fight it in our life. we got to, we got to make sure that, man, we are, we are submissive to God. We're humble to God. And I'll just tell you this, folks. Rebellion is one of those things that, can, that literally, it may start small, but it won't stay small. Not only that, let me tell you what else what you find in this Scripture. God has special judgment on those who spread rebellion. Now I'm going to tell you, we, we, we better take heed here. Je, uh, Jeremiah chapter 28. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, 
But thou makest this people to trust in a lie. By the way, you know what you find out there? I love the context of that scripture, amen. You find the true man of God calling out false men of God. By the way, not even men of God, right? False prophets calling them out. Well, I don't think you ought to say that about so-and-so. Listen to me, folks. If somebody's spreading false doctrine, I'm going to call them out about it, amen. By the way, I'm going to make it loud and clear. Like it, lump it, pout, shout. Don't ever come back if you don't want to come back. The Pope is not the vicar of heaven. He's the vicar of hell. Amen. That doesn't mean I don't not love Catholic people. That's not what it means. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, if they follow that doctrine wholeheartedly, it will end them up in a lake of fire. Amen. Because if you are a devout Catholic, you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. By their own doctrine. Not by what I say, but what their doctrine says. Amen? And I'm going to call it out. Hey, if there's people teaching false doctrine that you can get to heaven any other way than through the blood of Jesus Christ and faith and trust in Him and His death and His resurrection, listen to me. If if somebody's preaching anything, another gospel, Paul calls them. He says, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. And listen to me, folks. It's my job as a preacher to keep my people straight in the doctrine. Amen? Not my doctrine, not what I say, but what the Bible says. Amen? Now listen, God has special judgment on those who spread rebellion. Jeremiah was calling out this false prophet Hananiah. Here's what he said, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die. Listen to this, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. God punished this man Hananiah, the false prophet, because he was spreading rebellion. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 32, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nelamite and his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell amongst his people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord. Why? Because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. Let me tell you, it's one thing if you decide you're going to be rebellious yourself. Alright? You're going to have a hard life. You're going to be going up against God and you're not going to win that battle. I'll tell you that. But when you start spreading rebellion, let me tell you, God takes special notice. You better be careful, amen, about spreading rebellion. By the way, I'll just encourage you this. You find you got rebellion in your heart. I've been there in my life. I've been there. I found myself with a rebellious spirit. I found myself not wanting to submit to God, not wanting to submit to God's way and God's plan. Let me tell you, I'll drive you to God, not away from Him. Amen? Let me tell you, you ought to get it right. But I'm going to say this. You better be careful. You start spreading rebellion, the God of heaven's paying attention. Amen? And He ain't going to let that go. I'm going to tell you, God has special judgment on those who spread rebellion. How about this? Pride and rebellion go hand in hand. Go back to Genesis chapter 11. Let's look at our text here. Pride and rebellion go hand in hand. Look what it says. Genesis chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. And they said one to another... Go to, now I want you to notice here, alright, the the emphasis here. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. You know what that, listen folks, God's plan was this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. They didn't want to do it God's way. They want to do it their way. We don't want to be scattered, God. We want to do it our way. By the way, pride, rebellion, let us make us a name. Man, this sentence reveals the arrogance of the people of Babel. They sought for a name among themselves. They wanted the honor. They wanted the praise. Amen? 
Now, it's interesting. There's different uh, interpretations of maybe why they wanted to build this city. All right? I mean, some people say that they just wanted to do it. They wanted to try to build a structure that could possibly withstand another flood. All right? Maybe some say that they wanted to build this structure particularly for themselves. All right? I personally believe they wanted to build this structure so that they could uh, start their own form of religion and start worshiping someone other than the God of heaven. But regardless of why, I'll tell you this, pride and rebellion were at the heart of it. Amen? And folks, I'm going to just say this, alright? Uh, pride will still get us in trouble today. Amen? It's going to get us in trouble, I'm telling you. It'll get you in trouble with your spouse. It'll get you in trouble with your children, kids. It'll get you in trouble with your parents. It'll get you in trouble with your, with your employer. It'll get you in trouble with, with just about any relationship you interact in. Pride will get you in trouble. And pride is birth is from the very heart of Satan himself. Amen? Pride and rebellion. Proverbs chapter 8. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy in the evil way. And the froward mouth do I hate. By the way, it's time we start hating the things God hates. Amen? And you know what God hates, He says here? I hate evil. I hate pride. I hate arrogancy. I hate the evil way. I hate the froward mouth. You know what our problem is? Instead of hating the things God hates, we make peace with them, and before long, we love them. We love them. Notice this verse, Proverbs 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. So listen, if there's a contentious spirit, if somebody is, there's contention going on, I'm going to tell you what's at the heart of it. The Bible tells you what's at the heart of it. Pride's at the heart of it. Amen? Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So you say, well, how do I deal with pride? Very simple. You know what the solution for pride is? Humility. Amen. By the way, I say it often. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. you got two options when it comes to being humble. Alright? You can do what the Bible says in James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. You can either humble yourself, or how about this? God will humble you. Amen? I don't know about y'all. I don't want God having to humble me. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when God does it, you know you've been humble. Right? And uh, Brother Bob and I talk a lot. Anytime I talk in pride, Brother Bob, Bob Bean always told me about one time, and you don't mind if I use this story to you, brother. And uh, when he was younger, and uh, he said, he said, man, I was a cocky rooster. And I started trying to figure out how to get things in my life right with God. And I prayed that God would humble me. He says, don't ever pray for God to humble you. <laughs> Tells the story, man, had a good job, had everything going. Within one month or so, he lost it all. Right? And folks, I'm going to say this. Amen? God knows how to get right to where we live at. Okay, so how about this? How about this, okay? Let's just humble ourselves. Just humble yourself. Well, let me tell you the greatest way to humble yourself. Spend time in the presence of God every day. When you spend time with God, that's, that's, that's humbling. Amen? That's why the Bible calls it uh, the throne of grace, unmerited favor. Amen? Go to God, stay right with God, stay clean with God. By the way, when you go to God and you confess your sin, that's humble. When you've got to go to God and say, God, I blew it. God, I said this, God, I can't believe I... God, would you please forgive me, Lord? Amen? That's humbling. Humbling ourselves. Amen? We need a good dose of humility in our lives. That's for sure. So humble yourself. Amen? Because pride and rebellion go hand in hand. How about this? Number three, God will deal with sin. Man, we can learn this from Babel. Man, we can learn this. Let's, let's look back to our text here. Genesis chapter 11, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Let me tell you something, folks. Nothing escapes God's view. Nothing. Amen? Nothing. 
Isn't that interesting? They talked about um, uh, us, all right? They talked about us. Well, you know what you see here? Uh, you see that God went down, what it says in verse 7, all right? Go to, let us go down. You know what he was talking about? Is God schizophrenic? Okay? Referring to the third person, us? Who's he talking about? Well, hello, maybe the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's called the triune Godhead, amen? Let us go down. God says, you know what, mankind? You think you're all pride and, and cocky. You think you got it all going together. I'm going to show you ain't got it done, amen? Because God deals with sin. Man, what a dramatic turning point in the events of Babel, all right? And we see this, folks, all throughout the Bible, that God observes our actions, and there comes a point in time where God steps in and does something about it, all throughout the Scripture. Now, thank God, God deals in mercy. And by the way, think about this. Just in him dealing with the people of Babel, he was merciful. Listen, folks, those people probably all deserve to get the whammy dropped on them. God didn't kill anybody. No, you know what he did? He brought judgment by something very simple, really, confounded their languages. Think about how humbling or how, how merciful that was of God to do that. Amen? I'm going to tell you, all throughout the Scripture, you find God coming along, observing what's going on, stepping in and doing something about it. How about Adam and Eve? Amen? Listen, they thought they were getting by with it. God came in and stepped in and did something about it. Noah, of course, God stepped in and brought the flood. Babel, you see it in Sodom and Gomorrah. And on and on throughout the Scripture you go. Listen to me, folks. God sees, God knows, and He judges accordingly. Nothing escapes God's attention. No individual sin, no sin of a nation, amen, no sin. And you know what people do? They mistake the mercy of God. They mistake the long-suffering of God, thinking that, well, God must not just care how I live. Wrong! Let me tell you, God does, does not move on our timetable, I can tell you that, amen. Listen, God's going to do what He's going to do because He's God. And He don't have to explain Himself to anybody because He's God. Right? I think too many times we try to you know, put God in the box. Well, God has to do it. No, He doesn't. He's God. He can do what He wants. But I'll just say this. God may show mercy. God show may mercy. God may show long suffering. But they're coming a point in time where enough is enough. And the God of heaven steps in. And you know what? He deals with sin. And that's exactly what He did. He took this rebellion. He nipped it in the bud by confounding their languages. By the way, isn't that interesting? Uh, today, the reason we have, I, I, I've heard it said, there's over 700 different languages and, and different language dialects throughout the earth. All right, that all came from Babel. Right? All came from Babel. And you know what's sad to me about the story of Babel? Here's people that if they would have been united for the right thing and the right cause around the cause of God, imagine how great it would have been. But no, they wanted to unite all right, not for God, but against God. By the way, you know what? We're seeing the same exact thing happen in our world today. By the way, not a surprise. You know why? Everything comes full circle. That's why. The old saying, history repeats itself. That's what's happening. By the way, this is interesting. Interesting fact. I just learned this yesterday. In the land, the Bible says in the land of Shinar is where they built this tower. Okay? Right now, modern day Shinar. Okay? Compare it uh, historically, geographically. Saudi Arabia. Anybody heard about this new city that they're talking about building in Saudi Arabia? Okay, it's called, um, uh, it's called uh, Neom. Okay, it, uh, it's talking about something that's new, Neom. This is supposed to be the most high-tech city in the world. Read about it. It really will blow your mind. And what they're trying to do, literally, is doing exactly what Babel did. 
build a city without any presence of God Almighty. Pushing, pushing all their, everything that the liberals and the humanists and the God-haters think is their utopia is going into building this city, Neom. Don't tell me that doesn't tie in to what's about to happen when the Antichrist steps on the stage. Amen? Alright, very interesting. Isn't it amazing how, how history comes full circle? Right? I'm going to tell you, God intervened then, He's going to intervene again. Amen? He's going to intervene again. You know how He's going to intervene? That archangel's going to shout, a trumpet's going to sound. Amen? And for seven years, God will let them have this place. But Oh man, the judgment of God's going to fall. Amen? It's called the tribulation period. And just as God dealt with this sin of Tower of Babel, I'm going to tell you folks, God is going to do it again very, very soon. Let me tell you what else we learned about this. Amen? We learned that this, man, this is good. God will always accomplish His will. God will always accomplish His will. Look at verse 8 and 9. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Okay? That was the will of God in the first place, that they scattered upon the face of the earth. That was His will. But you know what? Mankind said, no God, we're not going to do it your way, we're going to do it our way. And God says, oh yeah, you want to bet? I don't think so. And you know what? They end up doing what God's will for them to do was anyway. By the way, we call it the Tower of Babel. God calls it the Tower of Babel. That's not what they called it. We don't know know yet what they were going to name it. Okay, maybe they were going to name it Neom. I don't know. (laughs) All right? But no, God's the one. Look what it says. And they said, therefore is the name of it called Babel. By the way, you know what the word Babel means? Confusion. Because God confounded their languages. You know what you find out, folks? That God accomplished His will. Man's kind rebellion came full circle, and they built this city unto themselves, and God says, nope, not my plan, not my way, not going to happen. Now what's interesting about this, okay, is the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 12. Okay, and if you know anything about Genesis, Genesis chapter 12 begins, look, look, let's, let's turn over there, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. And you know what you see now? Okay? God now is turning His attention to Abram and Abraham and the next several accounts of Genesis, the next several part of that book has to do with God's attention on Abraham. By the way, you know what? Uh, Abraham said, alright, let me show you what Abraham said. This is amazing. Your King James Bible is phenomenal, by the way. Amen? How it all ties together. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, this is interesting. All right, Babel was man's way. God says, nope, ain't happening. All right, but God still has a will. God still has a plan. Begin working with a man named Abraham. All right, and let's let's look here at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. All right, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should. Isn't that what God just had told the other people to do and they refused to do it? And God says, Abraham... Let's see if we can get it right now, okay? You go. And, and you know what it says this? He obeyed. He went out, not knowing whether he went. Hey, God said, Abram, got, got something for you to do. I want you to leave everything that you've known and go to some place. Oh, by the way, I want you to go there. I'm not going to tell you where to go. Just go, go a direction and I'll lead you to go. You know what? He obeyed. He went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac, with Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now look at verse 10. Okay? For he looked for a... What's that say? City. Whoa! He looked for a city whose 
builder and uh, who, whose foundation, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen? Listen, we're talking about God accomplishing His will. God had a plan. You know what that plan was? It was through Abraham. It was through the promised seed. And by the way, Abraham, by faith, thousands of years into the future, was looking for a city. Amen? And you know what? It wasn't called Babel. In fact, let's, let's see if we, we know anything about this city. Alright? Take your Bibles. Go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Amen? Oh, you know what you find here? You find a city. You know what it's called? It's called the New Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you right now, it's unlike city we've ever seen before. Man, Revelation chapter 21. And for sake of time, I won't read the whole passage, but let's, let's, let's read some of it. Verse 9. And there came unto me, Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me that, here it is, great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and their light was likened to a stone most precious, even to likened to jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And the rest of the chapter goes on to describe this amazing city that God right now has prepared for the, 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 the bride of the Lamb. By the way, think about it. Who's the bride of the Lamb? We are. Amen? By the way, we're the church age, talking about Jesus and the church. Hey, we're His bride, and He's got a city prepared for us. Man, I wish we had time, and we won't do it today, but, for, but if you go study that city, man, it's an amazing, amazing city. You know what I think is interesting about all this? Is that for everything good God has, Satan always has a counterfeit. Always. Okay? What's Satan's number one way of how he works? The Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, the wiles of the devil, trickery, deception. Amen? Listen, Satan wants to be so much like God, he can fool people into thinking he is God. Right? And for everything good God has, Satan has a counterfeit. He had it back in Genesis. It was called, God called it Babel. Whatever they were going to call it, they were going to call it. Isn't that interesting? How that everything God, uh, or good God has, Satan has a counterfeit for. And so uh, we see here then that God said, nope, that city's not the city that, that's going to get built. And God came down, and you know what? His will was accomplished. By the way, you know what you find out about Abraham as you go and start reading about his life? It was through Abraham that the promised seed was going to come. And of course, that promised seed was going to affect the whole earth. Amen? And that, of course, was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's plan all along. And through Abraham, God told him, through thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. How in the world could that happen through one man? I'll tell you how it could. Because it was through the seed of Abraham, through Cain, the seed of a woman, amen, who was born some almost uh, uh, 2,000 years later in the form of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And through Him, all the families of the earth were blessed. And you know what? Despite what God was trying to, or Satan was trying to do, despite what mankind rose up in their pride and rebellion were going to try to do, you know what? God says, my will's going to be accomplished. Amen. Let me just encourage you for a few minutes this morning. Amen. I know I preached a little bit hard on sin, rebellion, and pride and all that kind of stuff, but listen to me, all right? Hey, God's will is going to be accomplished. Amen. Yeah. 
And by the way, you know what God's will is? You know what God's plan is? God's plan, the Bible tells us, God's not one that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God's will is for people to be saved. Amen? God's will is for people to come to Him. But one of these days, guess what? All God's going to say, enough's enough. Just like He intervened back in the days of Babel, before the flood and those other times, He's going to intervene now. And you know what? His will is for uh, the saved to be called into heaven with Christ at the rapture. And then He's going to allow the Antichrist and, 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 and their, their crowd to have rule this thing for seven years. And then Christ is coming back, Revelation chapter 19, and He's setting up His kingdom. Amen? And King Jesus is going to rule. And guess what? Everybody will be subject of Him then. Amen? So you know what? When we think about all these lessons from Babel today, all right, I, I think we ought to learn some things from this. I think we ought to make sure that we don't have rebellion in our heart. Amen. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to try you, search you, know you. Amen. This is David prayed. Oh, Holy Spirit, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. You got a spirit of rebellion in you? Amen. I'm not just talking about per, per se rebellious toward a particular person, although that usually is what happens. All right. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you can't teach selective rebellion. Oh, I got a little rebellion toward this, but I'm not rebellious to that. No, you're not. Right? That's what's so dangerous, parents, when we allow our children to be rebellious toward other forms of authority, they'll eventually turn out rebellion on your authority. Happens every single time. You can't teach selective rebellion. Amen. Listen, hey, you got a rebellious uh, spirit against the Word of God? Come on now. Hey, let's get where we all live. All right? God tells us in His Word how we're supposed to live. He tells us what we ought to be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Are you living in open rebellion to principles of the Word of God? Well, you know, God, this is 2022. Things are different now. Oh, really? I think the Bible says, I am the Lord God. I change not. Hey, listen, societies change, opinions change, forms of leadership and fashions and fads and all that other stuff changes. God doesn't change. So if He says to do something, we better be doing it. And if we're not, we're living in rebellion toward Almighty God. If God says not to do something and we're doing it, we're living in rebellion to Almighty God. That ought to bother us. Amen? Check your heart. Ask God to search you and try you and know you. Amen? He will. Holy Spirit ain't afraid of you. He ain't afraid of you. He's living in you. He's going to let you know you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Or you ought to be doing something you're not doing. Amen? Listen to me, folks, because if you don't deal with rebellion, I'm going to tell you, all of a sudden you're going to rise up in pride and God's going to knock you off your pedestal. Amen? Right? And I promise you, don't get discouraged. God's going to deal with the sinfulness of this life. God's going to deal with the sinfulness of this world. And God's will will be accomplished. So don't get discouraged. By the way, don't quit. Don't quit. Listen, man, we got to stay with this thing. Amen? Listen, folks, the Bible tells us what it's going to be like in the days we're living in. He tells us, okay? It shouldn't surprise us that we're seeing everything going on. God said it would happen that way. Amen? So listen to me. When you see that, don't get discouraged. Don't quit going to church. Don't let it drive you away from God. Let it push you to God. Amen? And have faith in God. Have faith in God's plan. And I'm going to tell you, folks, God's going to accomplish what He said He would. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank You, Lord, for this simple truth, God, from uh, the, the folks here at Babel. And Lord, we thank You, Lord, that uh, You see what's going on. You know what's going on. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to understand that. And Holy Spirit, I pray that we would use that as motivation to be what we ought to be. Lord, not make excuses for our sin, not make excuses for pride and rebellion, but humble ourselves, God. 
Humble ourselves before you. Humble ourselves before your word and obey what you'd have for us to obey. God, I pray you'd work in our hearts today. Lord, If I didn't preach on salvation this morning, but if someone's here that's not saved, Holy Spirit, you can draw them to yourself. Lord, that's your job, not mine anyway. And I pray that you would be in the process of drawing and pulling folks to you, God, please. As Christians, may we allow the Word of God, to to, uh, these truths, to get down deep inside and change us and help us and make us what we ought to be. We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning as we always do on Sunday.